Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I'll be going through some of the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some pretty great music along the way. I'm so happy to be back on the air for CMRU.ca. It's so much fun to be able to do my radio show the way I have. And over the summer, I had the pleasure of being able to talk about so many big tournaments, so many big events, everything from the Toronto Raptors going all the way and winning the NBA championship to, of course, the major soccer tournaments like the FIFA Women's World Cup that took place in France. There was also the Copa America tournament in Brazil, the Africa Cup of Nations tournament, and of course, the Stanley Cup finals. So I'm very happy to be back on the air for this fall semester. I do have a couple changes I'm making to my show from what I had previously. The first main one is that I'm going to have genres, at least for the next several weeks. I'm experimenting with that. And so each of my show will have a different genre of music each and every week. So this week I'm doing 2010s music and the next week will be 2000s music and it'll continue from there type of thing. So genres are very new and I'm excited to be able to play specific kinds of music for each individual show, but no individual show will ever look the same as far as music content goes. As far as my show, the format's going to be the same, still four speaking sections, and I like to try and even it out as much as possible where I have about half of the time it's me talking, about half the time it's music playing, so that's the way I like to structure my shows. As far as the types of sports that I cover on my show, Moments of Genius, I do everything from NFL to every type of soccer league you could imagine. Like I go all across Europe as far as the major five leagues. I'm definitely going to talk about Canadian Premier League as that season is almost over now and they're getting ready for their championship game, which is not 100% mathematically confirmed, but almost certainly going to be Cavalry FC versus Forge FC, which is Calgary's team in the Canadian Premier League versus Hamilton's team in the Canadian Premier League. And then NBA, NHL, and then I, always, I also like to throw in sometimes a variety of different sports. So those are the kind of the main ones is American football, European football, and then NBA, NHL, but also little bit of tennis, which I'm going to talk about today at the end of my show. And then the World Track and Field Championships are starting this weekend, which is very exciting. So I will be talking about that on my show next week. But for this week and for the next several weeks, I have a new little wrinkle to my show as far as soccer coverage, and that is the Mount Royal Cougars soccer teams. I'm going to talk about them in the opening segment of my show for the next several weeks as their season is right in the swing of things and I have the privilege of being the PA announcer for them this season and so I've been able to watch every single home game for them and just a little plug I guess is that there is the Battle of Alberta this weekend for both the men's and women's soccer teams for Mount Royal University so they will be playing McEwen and U of A on the Saturday and the Sunday. So definitely, I recommend to everybody, go watch the games. There's a ton of fun and just a good way to support overall camp, good campus involvement. That's a good word for it. So 
Anyway, I want to talk about both these teams. I'll start with the men's team that is doing unbelievable this season. Can I just say that? They are first place right now in the Prairie Division. So for those of you who might not know how Canada West soccer works, I'm going to explain really quickly and really briefly. Basically, with all the Western universities, so basically like Winnipeg westwards in the Canadian map, if you think about it that way. But you have two divisions. So you have the Prairie Division and you have the Pacific Division. So the Pacific Division is like UBC and U of Vic and Trinity and like mostly British Columbia schools is in the Pacific Division. And then you have the Prairie Division, which is mostly Calgary schools. And then you got Saskatchewan, you got Winnipeg, Edmonton teams, stuff like that. So that's the basics of it. Mount Royal right now, the men's soccer team is first place in the Prairie Division. Seven wins out of nine on the season for them. And a fantastic five wins at home so far. So it's been a fantastic season for them. At this point, playoffs are pretty much almost a certainty for the men's side. It's really a question about can they finish in one of the top two spots? Because... If they do finish either first or second place, then they will get to host a playoff game at the end of October, which would be so much fun to be able to do. It would also be the first time in Mount Royal's history since we joined the university ranks that they would get to host a soccer home playoff game. So very exciting. Right now, they're a couple games ahead of UFC. The Dinos have a 5 and four record. Mount Royals is seven and two. And then Saskatchewan is in third place. U of S has two wins, three losses, and four draws on the season. As far as how they rank it, it's actually by win percentage, but Mount Royals two games ahead of U of C, who they beat earlier this season. And then they're quite a bit ahead of Saskatchewan and Alberta at the moment. But of course, there's still lots of games to be played. So nothing secure at the very moment. But as far as how the team has played, they have obviously have a tremendous record. But it's really been an all-around team game. There's not one player who's carrying the team on his back. There's not, you know, it's not like the defense is outplaying the attack or vice versa or in the midfield. Like, it's really been all-around for this Mount Royal team. They are first place in the entire league like including the pacific schools as far as goals scored they're first place by quite a large margin actually and they are they are currently tied for the best defense in the entire league they're tied with a couple other schools for that but it's fantastic to to see that consistency both in attack and in defense and their goal scoring has been very much shared amongst the team uh, moel gandur is currently the leading scorer for the Mount Royal men's team. He has five goals on the season, but Danny Domic has four, Enno has three, McPhee has three, and Derocha also has three goals on the season. So a lot of variety in scoring, and that's something you need, regardless of any level, whether it's university, pro, minor, whatever. It's really hard to have one guy score all the goals. You really need that mix. You need that balance. You need those goals from your forwards. You need those goals from your midfielders, and you need even the odd goal from the defender every now and then so that's very important and that's something they've been getting this season and as far as my takeaways I think honestly the biggest strength Mount Royal has had so far this season 
set pieces. They've been tremendous at set pieces. Offensively, they've scored so many goals just off corners, off free kicks, all of that. They clearly are, I think, a step above a lot of the other schools when it comes to set piece preparation and set piece execution. And so that's been something that's really helped them get out to this tremendous start and this tremendous first place record they have at the very moment. And like I mentioned, team defense, fantastic. They've had a little bit of a rotation in their defense as far as who's played in the defender roles. But overall, they've all worked tremendously together. And it clearly shows down to chemistry. These players know how to play with each other. And there's, a, there's an understanding of how to make sure that the other team doesn't get very many high danger chances. So... Nothing but good things to say about the men's team so far. Like I said, first place, and they get to play their Battle of Alberta games. The men's start time is 3.30, just after the women's start time this weekend. And again, I recommend to anybody, go watch the games, because it's great campus involvement, and it's just fun to watch, just in general. And I know I'm totally biased, because soccer is my favorite sport, but... Nonetheless, anyway, I'll move on to the Mount Royal women's team, which sadly has not had a very good start to the season. They still are looking for their first win on the year. They've actually played less games than the men's team has, so there is that. They've only played six games compared to the nine, but they currently have five losses and just the one draw. But the one draw came in their most recent match against UBC, so that's still good. And you know what? Mount Royal, because the playoff system is a little different on the women's side, they are still very much alive for a playoff spot. The key is they have to start getting some wins here, but it is certainly very much in their grasp. If they can put, pull together a few wins here, they could definitely still make the playoffs. So that's important, obviously. But if you look at the MRU women's team, the biggest problem, and I think it's a pretty obvious one to me, it's goal scoring. And that's because they have not scored a single goal all season. Which it's... I always like to say you can't win games if you don't score goals. And so the women's team sadly has had no luck in that department. I think there has been positive signs from them though. And I just look at the most recent game that I was able to watch when they hosted U of Vic here at MRU. They lost the game 3 to nothing, but I thought in the game they were very unlucky not to have a goal or two. Like they just had a few chances that just just didn't quite go into the back of the net. And so on another day they might have gone in, which obviously would be better, but the key with something like that is you have to continue to create chances, you have to continue to stick with it, and you can't get too discouraged because and I know that's really difficult. Uh, as a player myself, it was very easy to get discouraged, especially if the team wasn't scoring. But if you can stick with it and just stay positive, it's one of those situations where I, I have a feeling that once they get one goal, there will probably be multiple rolling in. And that you see that a lot from lots of teams where, you know, they go through a bit of a scoring slump and then they get one goal, but then they get a second and then they get a third and then they get fourth. And so... For Mount Royal, I think that's the key. They have to just get one. If they can get one, the others will come. And if they can get some goals, they'll get some wins. And then again, like I said, playoff berth is always the goal in that situation. 
As far as a main a main area to work on for them as like something that could help get them better results. My biggest takeaway is ball retention. I feel like possession's an overrated stat in a lot of cases because it doesn't really matter a lot how much of the ball you have. It matters what you do with the ball when you have it. So possession's a little bit of a misleading stat sometimes in soccer. But for Mount Royal's women's team, it's not really about the amount of possession they have. It's what they do with possession. I think they give it up way too easily. And so if they're able to have better ball retention and hold it more, and I think that would lead to more chances. I think that would lead to less goals conceded and overall would lead to some wins. So that would be my biggest takeaway is just I think they need to do better at retaining the ball when they do have possession. And that way they can create more chances and they can score some more goals. So obviously not a great start for them, but you know what? It's still early in the season and lots of time to turn it around. And like I said, the biggest thing, once they get one, they can get a second. Then they can, then they can get a third and a fourth and a fifth, etc. So that's pretty much all I got. It's an interesting contrast. You have one team doing really well, one team not doing so well. But of course, still lots of time in the season. And I think the biggest thing is just if you can stay positive, right? Every game is different. And, and this is something as an athlete that you have to sort of learn about is just that every game is different and you can't let a previous game impact what you did in the next game, which is way easier said than done, I realize, but something definitely that is achievable and should be always the goal, regardless of what team you are, regardless of what division, and pretty much regardless of sport. If it's a race, if it's a tennis match, if it's a hockey game, if it's a soccer game, if you can make sure that the previous result doesn't impact your, mo your next game, then that's always important. Having short memories, I think, is the main key there, because if you start overthinking, and then that becomes a little bit of an issue. Anyway, that's my Cougar segment, wrapping up the men's team and the women's team so far this season. Like I said, they play the Battle of Alberta this weekend. Highly recommend to everybody to go watch those games. Should be a whole lot of fun, as the women's start time is 1 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. And then the men's start time is 3.30. I have an awesome rest of my show planned. I have NFL recaps to do because the NFL season is back finally and I'm so happy. I always miss the NFL just because it's gone for so long. But now it's back, so I'm very happy about that. I'm also going to go through the FIFA's Best Players Awards. So FIFA lost the Ballon d'Or name. And so the Ballon d'Or is now a separate thing. But FIFA still do their own best players thing. And so they had their award ceremony today. I'll go through the award winners and who I think may have been a snub as far as certain awards, certain distinctions. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about today, Bianca Andrescu. Because I didn't get to talk about her because I wasn't on the air during the US Open run she had. And so I want to talk about how amazing that was for Canadian tennis. For today's show, like I said, all my music is, of course, going to be very... It's all going to be from the 2010s. So, my first song of the day is going to be... 
a nice little, a nice little song that I think, I think a lot of people like this song, but it's, it's Feel It Still by Portugal, the man. All right. And I'll have NFL coming up in my next segment. Shuffling through all your old music and boring. Experience the new world of radio from Mount Royal University. CMRU.ca broadcasts online 24-7. 365. And talk it up like, yeah. CMRU.ca. By students, for you. Could keep my hands on myself. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. Into my second segment, which is going to be my NFL recap. I apologize for my little bit of a long transition there. I had a little problem with queuing up the songs, but that's okay. I have that fixed, so it is all good. The rest of my songs I have ready to go. Again, my theme today, 2010s. Next week I'll have 2000s songs. And I know 2010 isn't quite done as a decade, but you know what? It's a few months away, and so it's pretty close. And then we'll be into the 2020s, which is 
going to be weird to write down for a while. Anyway, on to the NFL season because the NFL is finally back and I'm so happy because I've missed the NFL. See, the NFL cycle is always kind of the same to me where you have the season starting in September, not August. Do not nobody say ever that the NFL season starts in August. Anyone who says that is wrong because preseason is not the NFL football. Preseason is largely irrelevant. So actual NFL starts in September, and then it goes to February when the Super Bowl happens, and then the Super Bowl ends. And so there's a little bit of a gap, but then there's free agency in March, which is exciting. And then there's the draft in April, and then there's a whole lot of nothing until training camp. But that's also a whole lot of nothing because, I mean, training camp's not important for the star players. Like, Aaron, for Aaron Donald, does it matter that he had a good training camp? No, it doesn't matter at all if he has a good or bad training camp. Does it matter for Patrick Mahomes? No, not at all. Like, training camp and preseason have their value, but it's mainly for the lower roster players because those players are going to fight for positions. So you have the fight for the fifth defensive end. That's a preseason training camp thing. You have the fight for the fifth corner preseason training camp, that kind of stuff. And now that the NFL is actually playing real games for three weeks, it's very exciting. And I'm changing up a little bit how I do my NFL recaps. Instead of talking specifically about specific games, which I will still do, but I'm going to mainly headline them with storylines. So my NFL segments for this semester will be storyline based and not game based, if that makes sense. So, my first storyline from the first three weeks of the NFL season. Storyline one, the AFC has two and a half teams. And yes, I do realize the AFC has 16 teams. Or, okay, I don't know if Miami counts, but they have 16 kind of teams in the AFC. The problem is that there's really two of them that can win the thing. And the reason I say two and a half teams is because I think there's one that can upset the apple cart. And I'll get to them in a minute. But the two actual teams who seem to be on a collision course for the AFC Championship are the Patriots and the Chiefs. Which doesn't really surprise anybody because they look like the best two teams going into the season. But, I mean, wow, they are really good. And they're really better than everyone else. New England is 3-0. Kansas City is 3-0. And New England has killed everybody they've played so far. And this is, I think, the most compelling stat for the Patriots. They've given up 17 points this season. But not a single one has been a point that mattered. All of the points the Patriots have given up have been garbage points this season. Where the game was already over. Because they gave up 3 points to Pittsburgh in the second half when they were up by over 20. They gave up 14 points to the Jets after they were up 30-0. So... I don't really consider them real points they gave up because they kind of gave up garbage points. It's like, yeah, the other team scored, yay, but the game was over. Like, result was secure in the bag, didn't matter. So, New England has effectively gone three games, they're 3-0, their offense is clicking, and their defense hasn't given up a single meaningful point yet. I mean, it's kind of unfair at this point because New England is already the greatest dynasty ever with probably the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback ever. At least I certainly think 
they're the greatest coach and the greatest quarterback ever. And they're still this good. Unbelievable. New England is just... There's a definition for what dynasty is, and the definition for dynasty is different for each individual person, just because some people imply that you need to have back-to-back wins. Some people imply that you don't. Some people think that you have to have wins within a certain amount of years. Some people don't really care. So dynasty definition's a little not concrete. Yeah, it's basically just not concrete. But New England is just rewriting any sort of definition because they have been insanely good over this 20-year run. And they're still insanely good and the favorite to go all the way. Like, unreal. Kansas City look really good too. And that's mostly because Patrick Mahomes, I think it's very easy to say he's probably the best player in the NFL right now. The thing is, the Chiefs have not beaten the Patriots yet. Or at least this version of the Chiefs has not beaten the Patriots. So that's kind of their big obstacle is, I think for Andy Reid and for Patrick Mahomes, they've beaten everyone else. They're not scared of anyone else. They're... They're gearing up for the Patriots. The reason I say two and a half teams, though, in my storyline is just because I feel like Baltimore is kind of the dark horse here. Baltimore is the team that I think could upset either Kansas City or New England in a playoff game. And that's mainly because Lamar Jackson has learned how to throw a football. And you know what? I have to give credit where credit is due. Lamar is a guy who ran the ball more than he threw it last year. And he's a quarterback, so that doesn't make sense. But he realized that, you know what, he had deficiencies in his own game, and he went into the summer and he put in the work, which is the most important thing. I love when athletes can look at themselves and realize, you know what, I have flaws, I have issues here, and so I'm going to work so hard that these issues become non-existent. And for Lamar, he can throw the ball now, and he can throw pretty well. And so he he looks like Michael Vick in a lot of ways and with Lamar Jackson on the team Baltimore's defense is still you know decently solid their run game is amazing Mark Ingram's been a great addition for them they got ton of speed on the outside can I just say that their receivers are really fast and I think Baltimore is the team that could upset the apple card of New England Kansas City storyline number two Baker and Freddie are not ready for prime time, which I know probably doesn't sound like a football line, but it's basically Baker Mayfield and Freddie Kitchens, the head coach, quarterback of the Cleveland Browns. That was pretty bad this past weekend on Sunday Night Football against the LA Rams. There was obviously the fourth and nine that everyone is criticizing, which rightfully so. The Browns had a fourth and nine, and Freddie Kitchens decided, I'm going to run a draw play on a fourth and nine. And to nobody's surprise, it didn't work. And they were tackled. Like, Nick Chubb was tackled pretty much immediately. So that was bad. There was also just a lot of... Kitchens kept calling these screen plays. And granted, I will give him, it worked once. There was one time they caught the Rams. And they got a big play out of it. Every other time, LA knew it was happening. And they stopped it. And so... I don't mind coaches who call the same play multiple times, right? The idea, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But the problem was, the screens were broke. They weren't working. And so, don't keep running them, basically. Baker Mayfield had a really bad game, too. He just, he kept misreading 
what the defense was giving him, and his throws were erratic the whole game. And then at the very end, had a chance to tie the game, and he he decided to throw into double coverage to his tight end instead of throwing to Jarvis Landry, who was man-to-man and had a little bit of an opening. And that pretty much sums up Baker Mayfield's day. Was not great for him or Freddie Kitchens. And so Cleveland, I still think, because their schedule is really easy at the end, I still think they have a good chance of going far, at least, like, far for them. Far for Cleveland is 9-7, and seven, so I still think they can go 9-7, and seven, but they have a lot of issues to work through right now. Storyline number three from three weeks of the NFL season, injuries suck, and I'm mainly talking about my own team here. For those of you who don't know, I'm a huge Philadelphia Eagles fan. I have been since I was a little kid, and without Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, who are the top two receivers... The Eagles had seven drops and lost to the Lions. Not great. The Pittsburgh Steelers, meanwhile, lost their quarterback, Big Ben Roethlisberger, a week ago to a season-ending injury. And so Pittsburgh's season is relatively more or less done, especially with how good Baltimore is in that division. The New Orleans Saints lost Drew Brees, although they actually have a much better situation than most just because... Teddy Bridgewater is actually pretty good as a backup quarterback. And I think the problem here for the Saints is that with Breeze, they're in contention for one of those first-round buys. Without Breeze, Bridgewater is good enough to keep them afloat in the playoff race. But if New Orleans do make the playoffs, it's going to be as like a four seed. So they'll have to go on the road at some point in the playoffs, which has never been a strength of the New Orleans Saints, especially since they play in a dome. And if they have to go on the road somewhere to the cold, hasn't worked out that well for them too often. The New York Jets, meanwhile, also lost their quarterback and their backup quarterback. Sam Darnold, the starting quarterback, has mono, and so he's out for a few more weeks. And Trevor Simeon has a broken ankle, and so he's done for the season. And so the Jets are on quarterback number three, and they have to play the Eagles, the Cowboys, and the Patriots in their next three. So the Jets are going to go 0-6 is basically the point. And their season ended before it started, basically, which is unfortunate. But injuries suck, which I know is not a glamorous or shocking headline, but it's just they happen every year. And sadly, my team is suffering, and so are lots of other teams. Storyline number four, Dak Prescott is going to get all the money. His numbers so far this season have been a little bit ridiculous. 74% completion percentage, 920 yards passing, nine touchdowns, two interceptions, quarterback rating of 128. Jerry Jones, the Cowboys owner, has no choice but to pay him at this point. Dak Prescott's numbers are worthy of a quarterback making $35 million a season. Is he actually that good? Maybe not, because I think the numbers are probably inflated by the teams he's played. But numbers don't lie, and Dak Prescott is... Dak Prescott's agent right now is salivating at the fact that he gets to go into negotiations and be like, Jerry Jones, you have no choice. Pay us. So props to him. I'll never, ever doubt. I'll never, ever fault a player for getting their money. And so Dak Prescott is certainly going to get his. And the last storyline, very quickly, Antonio Brown is not a football player anymore. His whole story has been really weird. It started from a what do I call this basically he threw a temper tantrum to get out of Pittsburgh 
And then he froze his foot and complained about his helmet, threw another temper tantrum because he couldn't get his helmet reinstated, and then threatened to assault the general manager of the Oakland Raiders, and then got cut by the Oakland Raiders after being asked, and then got signed by the Patriots, and then has sexual assault allegations against him, and then got cut by the Patriots. I mean, it, it doesn't even sound like something believable. If that was a movie pitch, that would be way too unrealistic. So, I don't know. Antonio Brown's not a football player anymore, and I don't think he will be for a while. New England tends to be the last chance for a lot of these type of players, and New England cut him after a week and a half. So, Antonio Brown, out of the NFL. That's it. That's all I got for the NFL season so far. Three weeks in. Very excited. Monday Night Football tonight. Bears and Washington. I'm obviously cheering for Chicago, mainly because Washington's a division rival, but we'll see. Chicago need to get their offense going, though. That's been a real struggle for them so far this season. Coming up in my next segment, FIFA's the best, quote-unquote, players, as far as their award show anyway. FIFA's award show. I'll talk about who won the men's best player, who won the women's best player, and who was snubbed from the best 11. For right now, I just have two songs in my music break. The first one, Katy Perry and Dark Horse. The second one, Mark Ronson and Uptown Funk. Listen to CMRU.ca by students for you. Y'all know what it is. Katy Perry. Juicy J. Uh-huh. Let's rage. And here you were. You were gonna come to me. And here you are. But you better choose carefully. Cause I, I'm capable of anything. Of anything. And everything. Make me a Mark my word. 
she's a beast. I call her karma. She eats your heart out like Jeffrey Dahmer. Be careful, try not to lead her on. Shawty heart is on steroids, cause her love is so strong. You may fall in love when you meet her. If you get the chance, you better keep her. She sweet as pie, but if you break her heart, she turns cold as a freezer. That fairy tale ending with a knight in shiny armor. She can be my sleeping beauty. I'm gonna put her in a coma. Damn, I think I love her. Shot it so bad. I sprung and I don't care. She rap me like a roller coaster. Turn the bedroom into a fair. Her love is like a drug. I was trying to hit it and quit it. But little mama so dope. I messed around and got addicted.
you up, uptown funk you up, uptown funk you up, uptown funk you up. I said uptown funk you up, uptown funk you up, uptown funk you up, uptown funk you up. Come on, dance, jump on it. If you suck, sad and flown it. If you freak, dead and own it. Don't brag about it, come show me. Come on, dance, jump on it. If you suck, sad and flown it. CMRU.ca. Bye, students. For you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students. For you, my name is Peter Rillman, and I'm into my third segment of the day, recapping the FIFA Award Show. I'll call it the FIFA Award Show because calling it FIFA's the best awards feels awkward to say. So FIFA's Award Show, they give it out. Because FIFA doesn't associate themselves with the Ballon d'Or anymore, so it's kind of a separate award. The Ballon d'Or is still kind of the important one, but it's interesting to see what who FIFA deem the best anyway, quote-unquote. So, the awards handed out earlier today. The men's best player went to Lionel Messi. Slightly disagree on that. Not anything against Messi's season. Messi had a fantastic season for Barcelona, but he only won La Liga with them, and he didn't exactly have a great Copa America tournament. Virgil van Dijk and Cristiano Ronaldo were the runners-up for that award. Van Dijk would have been my personal pick for the winner of the men's best player, but, of course, Messi... I mean, it's not that Messi's undeserving. I just feel like Van Dijk had a better year as a center back. And it's hard to compare to positions, and I get that, but... I just felt Van Dyke and what he did for Liverpool. They were they had the best defense in the entire Premier League. They won the Champions League. And he was also he also helped Netherlands get to the final of the UEFA Nations League, which I'm not sure how much stock I I can put into that tournament cuz it sort of feels gimmicky, but nonetheless, like it's still still something internationally anyway. The women's best player meanwhile went to Megan Rapino. No surprise, for my opinion anyway, just because I think Rapino is very deserving of that award. She, to me, was easily the best player at the FIFA Women's World Cup this summer, and so Rapino winning the Women's Best Player Award, no surprise. Lucy Bronze and Alex Morgan were the runners-up for that award, and again, both of them fully deserving in the runners-up spots. Lucy Bronze is probably the best defender in all of women's football. Alex Morgan 
was almost the Golden Boot winner at the Women's World Cup. Although, granted, I mean, most of those goals came against Thailand, but still. Anyway, Megan Rapino, very deserving winner for the Women's Best Player Award. The best coaches, Jurgen Klopp was the winner on the men's side. Jill Ellis, the coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, was the winner on the women's side. No problem there for me. Best goalies, Allison of Liverpool and Van Vienenal, the goalkeeper for the Netherlands on the women's side. So those are the goalkeepers. And then, then there's the best 11s. I have a problem with the men's one. But I'll start with the women's one because... I think most of it's pretty good. So the women's best 11, you have Van Vienenal, obviously, winning the best goalkeeper award. Lucy Bronze in defense. Neela Fisher from Norway. Kelly O'Hara, Wendy Renard. And then in midfield, you have Julie Ertz with Amadine Henri and Rose Lavelle. Marta, Alex Morgan, Megan Rapino as the front three. In my honest opinion, I would have probably put Sam Kerr or Ada Hegerberg in place of Marta, but... That's just my personal opinion. I think the rest of it looks pretty good, to be honest, as far as the women's best 11. The men's best 11 is straight up terrible for most of it. I'll explain what I mean. So, Allison's the goalie. Again, no problem with that. In defense, Delict, Marcelo, Ramos, and Van Dijk. Two of them don't deserve to be there, and they're the Real Madrid players. Marcelo and Ramos don't deserve to be there. Van Dijk and Delict do. In midfield, Frankie de Jong deserves to be there. Eden Hazard deserves to be there. Luka Modric, no. No. Not close. If this was 2018, he'd be the first name in the, in the list. But it's not 2018 anymore. Modric won the golden ball at the World Cup in 2018, not 2019. 2019, what has Modric done for Real Madrid? Next to nothing. What, he, what has he done for Croatia? Next to nothing. I'll, I'll get to who, who I think got snubbed in a minute, but the front three, Cristiano Ronaldo, Kylian Mbappe, Lionel Messi. Messi and Ronaldo are kind of always going to be in there as long as they continue to produce the way they do just because of how good they are. Kylian Mbappe, I love Mbappe as a player. I don't think he should have been in this list. I think there was someone more deserving than him. And that player is Sadio Mane. Mane had 22 goals, was tied for the Golden Boot in the entire Premier League. So he basically co-shared winning for most goals in the league. He also was a driving catalyst behind Senegal's run all the way to the final of the Africa Cup of Nations this summer. And I think Mane's had a better season than Kylian Mbappe. Not that Mbappe had a bad season, but he's playing in Ligue 1, which is not as good as the Premier League. And, I mean, granted, it's not his fault he didn't get a chance to show his stuff internationally, but Mane led his country to the final of the Africa Cup of Nations. And he helped his team win the Champions League. And he was tied for the leading score in the Premier League. I think Mane should have been in there instead of Mbappe. In midfield, this is almost, to me, just... It's flat-out embarrassing. I'll say that. It is embarrassing by FIFA. Bernardo Silva, to me, has been the best midfielder in the world this year. Like, I think better than De Jong and Hazard, who I both think are deserving of their place. And way better than Luka Modric. Bernardo Silva has been so important 
to Manchester City in winning the treble. When Kevin De Bruyne went down with a massive injury, you know who stepped up? Bernardo Silva. You know who was the best player when Portugal won the UEFA Nations League title? Bernardo Silva, not Cristiano Ronaldo. It is a crime that Bernardo Silva is not in the starting 11 for this. Lastly, Imeric Laporte and Andy Robertson would be my replacements for Marcelo and Sergio Ramos in the defense. Those ones I don't have as big a problem with, but I still think... Liverpool and Manchester City are the best two teams in the world right now, and I don't think they got enough representation in this 11, in my opinion. But, of course, everyone's entitled to their very own opinion, but I certainly think Bernardo Silva, I can't believe he wasn't in there. Anyway, that's pretty much all I got to say. The FIFA's quote-unquote best awards were given out today. And finally, the last award was the Puskas Award, which is given for the best goal. It was a bicycle kick scored by Danielle Zori. The bicycle kick took place from around the 18-yard line, and fantastic goal. And granted, I mean, the Puskas Award is always difficult because it's like from any competition anywhere, but very deserving this year of that award. On to my next song, continuing on with my 2010s songs genre. I have Sia Cheap with Cheap Thrills featuring Sean Paul. New year, new lineup. CMRU.ca has new shows just for you. From retro to your favorite meme songs. Tune in here at CMRU.ca. Bye, students, for you. Up with it, girl. Rock with it, girl. Show them it, girl. Bada bang bang. Bunks with it, girl. Dance with it, girl. Get with it, girl. Bada bang bang. Come on, come on. Turn the radio on. It's Friday night.
and you, girl, you and me. Chop it to the floor and make me see your energy because me not play no hide and seek. What is it, the thing you ever make me feel with, girl? Free. Cause anytime you whine and catch it, the selector pull it up and put it for repeat, girl. Up, up, me not up, touch up, a dollar in my pocket cause nothing in this world ain't more than what you worth. I don't need no money. You worth more than diamond, more than gold. As long as I can feel the beat. Make the beat just take control. Get out of control Listening to CMRU.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius. I'm into my final segment of the day, and that is Bianca Andrescu, because I didn't get to talk about her unbelievable historic US Open win because I wasn't doing my show at the time, and so I felt I feel like I'm catching up for, for lost time here. But can I just say I mean, I'm not going to really say anything new here because I think what's what's already been said about Bianca is kind of, you know, everything and anything fantastic because what she did was historic and unbelievable. It really was. Like, she has produced, by winning the U.S. Open, one of the greatest sporting moments ever. I'm talking, like, top five all time. Easily. Canadian sports moments. She is going to change tennis in this country forever. Because, because of Andrescu, people are going to be picking up tennis rackets more often. And there's a number that I want to share that I think says a lot. So this was from TSN's PR Twitter account. But the U.S. Open final between Bianca Andrescu and Serena Williams drew 3.4 million viewers in Canada, becoming the most watched tennis broadcast ever and for even more context that number is higher than the number of people in this country who watched the Stanley Cup final I don't think it's shocking to say that Canada's sport is hockey hockey has been the sport of this country forever but well okay maybe not forever but for like the the last 50 years it's been hockey easily and the fact that a tennis match got more ratings than a hockey Stanley Cup final game. I mean, it's unbelievable. It really is. She is going to change Canadian tennis forever. And it's all... It's just amazing to see that. Canada has a signature basketball moment and now a signature tennis moment. 
Like, amazing year for Canadian sports. Bianca Andreescu, the fact that she won the U.S. Open, first ever Canadian singles player to win a singles championship, and she also beats Serena Williams in doing it. Serena Williams is probably the greatest female tennis player ever. And the reason I call my show Moments of Genius is just because in that moment when you're an athlete and you're playing on the biggest stage and the game is coming down to finite details, it really takes something extraordinary to produce something magical and produce winning and championships. That's why I call my show Moments of Genius. It takes quite something genius to be able to perform in big moments and Bianca certainly provided that and then some in the U.S. Open so massive congratulations to her and also just what can I say she has forever changed Canadian tennis and her win is so historic and so important to Canadian sports just in general I want to thank everyone for listening in today. That's the end of my show. I also want to remind everybody that my show is available on podcast. And there will be all kinds of new shows coming to cmru.ca over the coming weeks. So definitely stay tuned because there, there's so many different unique voices on this station. And so there's something for everybody. That's kind of the way I like to think about it. So definitely tune in to cmru.ca lots over the next few weeks. And my show next week, like I said, World Track and Field Championships will definitely be on there. NFL Week 4 will be there. And I'll have Cougars recaps for their soccer. And I'll have a European soccer recap as well. My last song of the day, Walk the Moon and Shut Up and Dance. Bye.